Man, what a year 2020 was. Man, uh, I asked our, our youth pastor, Karen, I was like, hey, get some pictures from last year and let's put them together and see what all we did this year. Uh, amidst of COVID and the pandemic and all the things that made all the headlines this year, God has been so active and so faithful to our church and this community this year. It's been an amazing year. I'm like, oh, yeah, we changed the name. That was the beginning of this year. Oh, my goodness. We did the remodel. That was this year. We installed deacons, and that was this year. We launched a church on the first year of being another church. That was the first year. Man, God has been so amazing. We picked up two new missionaries this year. Uh, We've done so much. Despite everything that's saying, everything's on the decline, God has been on the rise at Waterhouse Church, and I'm super excited. Man, I can't imagine what God's going to do in the next five years and for the next 10 years. I mean, can you imagine if he's done all this in a year, in a year of craziness? <laughs> God can do so much more, and I think God has positioned us as a church uh, to do his desire, and that's what I want to talk to you today about. Not just 2020 and what looking forward to 2021 as a church, but God's desire. When we set out to rename the church and to become all that God wanted us to be, uh, us and the elders got together and we prayed, God, what is your desire for Waterhouse Church? What is your desire for this community? What do you want to do through us? And it's his desire, his will that we want to seek moving into 2021. And I pray that is your prayer as well. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And the very words of Jesus remind us that we need to seek God's will. He said, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done perfect in heaven. And God wants his will to be perfectly done here. And I know we pray and I talk to people and like, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? And I ask myself that in the mirror. Neil, what's God's will for your life? We always pray that. God, what is your will for my life? What does God want me to do? Where does God want me to? To go, And I think if we have a better understanding of this word will, then we'll have a better understanding of what God wants us to do. The word will that, that is used in the New Testament, it's, over, it's used almost over 56 times in the New Testament, or 62 times, sorry, in the New Testament. And it has to do with this idea of divine desire, the Father's will for his creation. This word that is used, that even Jesus used, your, your will be done, is the word thalima or thylema. And this word thylema is a divine desire or the Father's will for his creation, like I talked about. I think we can kind of get uh, mystified by this, the Father's will. Well, it's simply the Father's desire. What is his desire for your life? Well, Scripture plainly tells us his desire for our life, that we would live a certain way so that we would experience the fullness and the joy that he wants us to give. And when we live outside of his desires, then obviously we face pain and we face uh, disappointment and, we, and these things come in that we just can't quite grasp and understand. God has a desire for your life. God wants us to desire his will for our community. And as a church, man, I feel like God wants to use us to bring his desire into the Weatherford area in Parker County. Um, when we change the name to Waterhouse Church, uh, we had no idea that they were going to put a water tower right behind our building. And we were terrified. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I was terrified. That was a big decision. And I'm like, God, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right name for the church? Is this really what you want to do here? 
And then right after we had had the name change and uh, everybody had voted and, and passed through and we changed our constitution and bylaws to fit where we feel like God wants us to go in the future. I'm like, God, was this the right decision? And was this the right thing to do? And, and then I heard that uh, one of our elders said, well, you're going to be happy because I just heard they're putting a water tower behind your building, behind the building. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. And so we actually held the meeting, the, the community meeting in the church about the water tower. Um, and it was just an awesome thing that God was doing behind the scenes. And God does so much stuff behind the scenes, guys. It's so amazing. And in your life, God's doing so much stuff behind the scenes that we'll never see until it pops up. And I, I, I think that, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that it's a, I, I believe it's on purpose that that water tower is there. And not only that, but what's painted on that water tower. If you look at it, it has the kangaroo on it. It also has our city of Weatherford logo on it. I believe God is telling us as a church, that's your mission. That's your mission. The, the schools, getting into the schools, getting into the places that you're at, the city of Weatherford, the town, the, the people of, of the city. We have, we have a responsibility to bring peace and to bring unity to this community. And I feel like as a church, this year, I've been praying and praying and praying, God, what, what do you want to do this year? And I pray that. And I wasn't getting an answer. And I, wasn't, I was like, okay, God, you're just going to leave me out in, the, out in the dark this year? I mean, that's fine. I'm going to walk in faith and do whatever I feel like you want me to do. And every year I pray for a word for the church. And we, we pray uh, for a word for ourselves. And this word kept coming up, unity, 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 unity. And I feel that as a church, God has called us to build unity not only within ourselves. I believe that the end, by the end of 2022, man, 2021, by the, when we walk into 2022, this church is going to be unified more than it ever has been before. There's going to be a beautiful presence of God unifying the people of God. We're going to have each other's backs like we've never had each other's backs before. We're going to care for one another like we've never cared for one another before. We're going to love one another like we've never loved each other before. There's going to be a deeper sense of commitment and community within Waterhouse Church. But more than that, I believe God has positioned us as a church to bring that unity into the city around us and into the county around us. We have, we have God has given us a, an ability to influence. Think about the places that God has placed you. Where do you work? Where do you go? Where do you live? What neighborhoods do you live in? God has positioned you I truly believe this, for a level of influence wherever you're at. God is sending us out to, to spread the gospel, to bring people together. And I see us as a church bringing all the churches of Parker County together, all the people together under one banner, the banner of Jesus, under one cause. We, like, like Christian said earlier, we all have different theological backgrounds. We all believe things a little differently, but if Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and we're saved by faith and faith alone, that Christ has come for his people, that's what unites us as people. The things that divide us are so much less than the things that unite us, and that is Jesus Christ. And I pray that we as a church can grab onto that this year and that we say, you know what, I'm gonna be an influencer and I'm going to unify everywhere that I go. My job, my primary responsibility as a believer is to bring unity to wherever I go. 
Christians should not go and cause division. They should bring unity. They should bring unity of spirit. And that's God's prayer for us. Jesus prayed these very words about his disciples. And he prayed these very words over you. And John records this in his gospel. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, he's talking about his, his immediately 12, but also for, the, for those who will believe in me after through their message. That's us. We believed in Jesus through their message. And now it came through generations and generations, but they laid the groundwork. And he says, I pray that they will all be what? One. One. What does that look like? What does that one look like? He says, just as you and I are one. Jesus is saying, Father, I pray they're united, they're together, they're strongly in this community together, just like me and you are one. And how is Jesus and the Father one? He's one. It's the Trinity. He is one being in three persons. And as you are in me, Father, I am in you. He's saying, let us all march out as one people, one people, one church, one cause. And may they be in us so that, here's the so that, this is why it's so important for believers to be in unity and live in unity so that the world will believe you sent me. There's one thing the world needs to see right now is a unified church. If the world sees a unified church, a church that loves Christ, that loves each other, that are one, truly one, as Christ is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, what are they going to do? They're going to say, there's something about these people. They will give glory to God, and they will essentially believe that the world has sent me. You know why I came to faith? Yes, I heard the message. Yes, I I met with God powerfully. But it was because I saw people united in a way I've never seen them united before. People that had nothing in common. They weren't even related. Now, in this church, there was a lot of related people when I came. But some of these other people, they weren't even related to me. But yet they took me in and they loved me. And they showed me grace. And they showed me mercy. They showed me something that I didn't know that I needed. They showed me what it looked like to live as Christ and to die as gain. They showed me what it looked like to love their spouses, to, to, to be a positive father over your children. They showed me what it looked like to live as Christ. We as believers need to show the world and to show each other what that truly looks like. And I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. We're going to mess up. We're not perfect people. But God has placed his church, his ecclesia, his called out people He calls us out. Yeah, we gather in a church building, but he calls us out to be influence. Just like that water tower, they're not done yet, but when that thing's done, it's going to be pouring water out into the community. It's going to feed the community through gravity. It's it's, it's physics, right? And and it's going to push the water out and give water pressure out to the community around us. And this church should be the same way. That This should be a gathering place where, where we just push out and influence the places around us. Man, what an opportunity that we have as a church to be a unifying church. It's not about us getting bigger. It's not about us getting bigger buildings or having more people in our services. It's about the influence of Jesus and the unity that we can bring as his people to the world around us. Imagine if, I mean, Iron Faith Biker Church was just the beginning of what God wants to do. That last picture was their church service. It wasn't this one. I mean, you saw all the people. You're like, man, that's got to be this service. It wasn't this service. It was Iron Faith service. 
They, they are growing and they are being effective and, and they are reaching people that would not normally come into this church building. They're, they are reaching a culture and a community, but we're united. We don't look the same. We don't, we don't act the same. We don't sing the same. Some songs we sing the same, but they don't sing them the same way we do and vice versa. But we're all unified, reaching out for the one, the one that needs to hear about Jesus. Man, I would love to see us as a church do more of that, planting more churches, helping more churches become healthy, reaching out into our community, gathering up all of the church leaders in, in, in the community and us just being one. It's not under the Waterhouse banner. It's under the Jesus banner that we would all do things together. Man, it would be an awesome thing. What would the world think? What would the world say if they saw that kind of unity? And then Jesus continues, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus is saying, they have the ability. I've I've given them my glory. What is that glory? It's the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit to unite us. That's the thing that binds us together is the Spirit of God. And so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them. Jesus is saying, I'm in you. I'm in these people. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am, that then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. This is Jesus' prayer saying, God, this is your desire. This is your divine desire. This is your will, Lord, that they would live in such perfect unity, such a perfect uh, community that people would look up and their ears would perk up when Christians walk by. When people drive by and they'll see all the cars, what's going on there? When people hear of what things going on, when they scroll through their Facebook feed and they see this church, they see other churches in the community and they say, man, that community, these churches don't squabble over people. They don't fight and they're not trying to, and they're not afraid for somebody else to go to another church. It's all one church. It's all one people following what Jesus has called us to do. Let's be those people. Let's, let's live in that perfect unity so that people would believe, so that the world would believe. The world is hungry for unity. Oh my goodness, just, it's, it's, a, it's a mess right now. The world is a mess. There's so much division. There's so much hate. There's so much uh, I said and she said, and, and, and there's so much falsehood, so much deception, and it becomes because there's no unity. The church should be that model of unity. If there's anything in this world that should show what unity looks like, it's the church of Jesus. Jesus unifies us all. We're all from different backgrounds. We're all from different levels. We're all of different races, different colors, different creeds, different cultures. That's the church. That's the church of Jesus. That's the Christian church. We are all one people under the banner of Jehovah. Let's be that people. Let's be those people that are united under that. My friends, I want to say this. We're in a fight. (laughs) We're in a fight. I mean, you don't know this, but we're in a fight. We're in a fight, but it's not a flesh and blood. 
We're in the fight for the kingdom of God. If we don't walk in unity, we lose our influence. If you want influence in the world around us, we have to stand in unity. When you lose your unity, you lose your influence. Unity in prayer, unity in the word, unity in our community, unity in worship and in serving. This church, we have to be unified as a people. It starts with us. It starts with us being that example of what it looks like to be one unit moving forward. Now, we may all not agree on everything. We may, not, may, we may have disagreements about how we should do things. But we all come under this same cause, the cause of Christ. And we're like, okay, I don't like the color of the Christmas trees this year. Maybe next year we do some snowy ones. But I'm not going to let that stop me from being a part of the church. You know? Let's throw all those things aside and say, God, I'm here for one reason. I'm here for Jesus. I'm here for Christ. So that the world will know you sent me. This, this unity that the body of Christ has is really unworldly, meaning it's divine. It's a divine unity. And when you look around the Christian church and you look at other religions and you look at other faiths, you can notice something very distinct about most of them. They're all centralized for the most part. Islam is, is pretty centralized in, in, in Southeast Asia and also in, in the Arab nations and a little bit of South Africa and Africa area there in, the, in the Western Africa, I mean Eastern Africa. Hindu is pretty much India and Asia. And, and you look at these other, other faiths, they're kind of centralized and they all pretty much, for the most part, the people look the same. They're all cultural. But Christianity is throughout the world. It's not centralized. Only 20% of the Christians live in America. You probably think, what? I thought 100% of the Christians live in America. No, only 20, I think they said 21% of Christians, proclaiming Christians, actually live in North America, South America, Asia. The Asian church is blowing up right now. Despite everything that's going on in China, they're meeting persecution. They're shutting down churches. They're, they're infiltrating house churches. They're trying to shut down this thing because they know it's a threat to their government. It's a threat to their way of life. And these Christians are saying, no, we, we rally under this banner of Jesus. And yet, even in Asia and China, the church is exploding in these harsh places. In Russia, the church is exploding. Why? Because it's the truth. Why? Because Jesus is Lord of all mankind. Jew, Gentile, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. We are all united as one people group. Diversity does not mean disunity. Diversity is when we come together in unity to strengthen one another and to love one another despite our differences. Just because I do it one way doesn't mean it's the right way. I know that's hard for some people to imagine that. Just because you do it one way doesn't mean it's the right way. We need to have a little bit of patience with people. We need to live in unity. Man, I've been really reading this all week. It's a, it's a writing to Emperor Hadrian. And you're like, who's Emperor Hadrian? Emperor Hadrian was the emperor of Rome and a 
from, from, ni- from 1976, no, from, from the year 8076 to 8138. And Hadrian took over after the, probably the most evil emperor that you can think of, Emperor Nero. Now, if you've heard any stories of Emperor Nero, Emperor Nero, um, he burned Christians as candles in his garden. Okay, he was that kind of guy. He was awful. He persecuted the Christian church. He caught Rome on fire and blamed the Christians for it. He, he used it as a political platform to kind of do his thing. And Emperor Nero was an evil man. He, he, he killed people just because. And so Hadrian took over after him, and, and there was still intense persecution going on in the church when Emperor Hadrian took over. And this, this man, this philosopher named Aristides, wrote this apology or apologetic letter, like we have apologetics today. He wrote this apologetic letter to, to the emperor Hadrian about the Christian church versus how the Greeks in, in work and how their gods are different than, than this God that these Christians are following. This philosopher later, Aristides, becomes a Christian himself. And he writes this, and this is just a part of it. It's a, if you get an opportunity to go online and read the Apology of Aristides, read it. It's really, really good. If you're a nerd like me and love history, Check it out. It's really cool. And he says this, and I just took this part of it. He says this about Christians. They do not worship strange gods like us Greeks do. And they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them. And they love one another. From their widows, they do not turn away their esteem. And they deliver the orphan from him who treats him harshly. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when, we, and when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. For they do not call them brethren after their flesh, but brethren after the spirit and in God. And whenever one of their poor passes from the world, each one of them according to his ability gives heed to him and carefully sees to his burial. And if they hear that one of their number is imprisoned or afflicted on the account of the name of the Messiah. All of them anxiously minister to his necessities. And if it is possible to redeem him, they set him free. And if there is among them any that, that is poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, get this. <laughs> I read this, I'm like, wow. They would fast two or three days in order to supply to the needy that lack food. They observe the precepts of their Messiah with such care living justly and soberly as the Lord their God commanded them to. This picture of the very first church under intense persecution, these people, they were united under one common thing, Jesus Christ. They loved one another like family. They took care of one another. They, they met each other's needs. And I'm telling you, this church is good at it. I mean, there's people that have been sick this year, and I get there and like, oh, yeah, so-and-so has already seen me. They've already brought this to me, and they prayed with me already. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. You guys are really, really good at caring for one another. That is a testament to the world around us. Oh, your church brought you that? Are you related to those people? No. Well, why did they, why did they come to your house? Because we love one another. The world should see the church and wonder why we love each other so deeply. Why we care about each other so deeply. And it's because of what Christ has done in our life. That's what binds us together as believers. 
Christ has changed our life. And now we are inherited into this family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We love each other deeply. We care for one another. And we do all that we can to make sure that our needs are met. That's why we come on Sunday. It's not about hearing a message. It's not about the worship team. It's about seeing one another, praying for one another, staying after church and just speaking to one another. Man, we have a good time in the morning. We have fun. Why? Because it's about us getting together and just being the body of Christ, praying for one another, living in that community. This year, our heart and focus as Waterhouse Church is unity. It's the year of unity. Can we just declare that? This year is the year of unity. Man, for this community, Parker County, there's even been division in our county. Man, this year is the year of unity, but we have to work at it. Unity doesn't, just doesn't happen, all right? Disunity happens easy, but unity takes work. If you've been married for a long time, you understand that. <laughs> it takes work because we're all different. We all have different views. We all have different ways of doing things. But we have to rally under the banner of Christ. Dare I say we need to drop our flags and pick up the flag of Jesus. And we need to say, Jesus, this is what matters the most. This is what matters the most, your kingdom. Let's make this year the year of unity as a church. Man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't imagine. I can't think that big. God is going to do amazing things to this church because we are united, right? We are together. We are the body of Christ. Let's work at it. Let's work at it, amen? Let's work at it. Wherever you go today, wherever you go, wherever you, God sends you today, work at building unity. In your workplace, work at building unity. If you work in, in, in the bank, work, you know, I'll say that because my wife was bank. If you work at the bank, go there and build unity. If you work in the schools, go build unity. Go share the love of Christ. Go build unity wherever you're at. And as a church, we're going to do what we can to build unity within our community. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, close service with this, um, taking communion together, because there's really no greater example uh, for the church than taking communion together. Communion actually comes from two words, common unity. <laughs> you get that? It's, it's a common unity. We're, we are united through Christ Jesus. And so communion is where we take that. So if you're watching online today, just go ahead and uh, go to your cabinet, find what you can. If you've got grape juice there, great. If you don't, grab some Cheerios and milk. It doesn't matter. Just find something that resembles, hey, you know, uh, we had a small group uh, one time, and the best, oh, man, it was so beautiful. We had, a, we had a time of community together, and all we had was Doritos and Dr. Pepper. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God was so thick in that gathering with our little small group because it was about what Jesus did. It's not about elements. It's about what Christ did. And that's why communion is so powerful. It reminds us that we're all in this together. And that's why Jesus, when he sat with his disciples and he tore the bread and he took the drink of the cup, and he says, guys, we're all in this together. I'm doing this for all mankind, for every one of you. You are in this together. We're sharing in this together. That's why he shared the bread. That's why he shared the cup. We're sharing all in this together. 
And Christ is saying, church, we're sharing in this work of God all together. And it takes all of us doing it together. How was the world changed? By the church being the church. How our marriage is restored? By the church being the church. How our addictions broken? By the church being the church. How our communities transformed? By the church being the church. My friends, it's not up to the government to change our culture. It's not up to other things to change our culture. God has mandated the church to go and to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our assignment, to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that he said. Why? Because we know the joy it brings. We know the unity that we have in Christ. So let's stand as we take this. Christian, if you want to come up, you want to play something as we close. So as a church, we pray always over these elements. And with the bread, we pray specifically for health. Not just physical health, but mental, emotional, for the health of our community. Um, There's sick people right now. We believe that God heals us. Jesus said in his word that by his stripes we are healed. His body was broken so that we will be made whole. The word whole there is sozoed, that we are whole, complete, without lack. That's why Christ died for us. His body was broken for us that we may be whole. And the cup represents the new covenant. The covenant of Jesus saying that we can never be good enough to get to God, but God came to us. And that Jesus paid our price on the cross. This whole week during our 21 days of prayer, we've been walking through the tabernacle model. And this morning we talked about the most holy place and walking in and there's the Ark of the Covenant. And that covenant was the old covenant with the law of Moses in it. And the people were bound to that covenant. And they were saying, if you follow these rules completely and totally and you live righteous before the Lord, then you will have and be accepted by Christ. But that's impossible. We can't. We always mess up. We sin and we sin and we sin. The law was there. God gave the law to us so that we would understand our need for him, that we can't be righteous on our own, no matter how hard we try. We can't kill enough animals to make up for our own sins. And so God said, I'm going to send myself. I'm going to send my son to take your place and to do what you cannot do because you're helpless. That's why he's called a savior. If you can do it yourself, you don't need to be saved. That's why he's called the savior. So we're going to take this together. So let's just pray for those that are sick. Father God, I pray for those that are sick right now. Specifically, Lord, I lift the Jacob's family up to you. Right now, God, I pray for that whole household that COVID would die right now in their bodies, that they would live in full health, God, that health would return to their bodies and they would be restored completely and totally in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those in our church family that are dealing with this disease. God, I pray for wholeness and healing in their bodies right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that are battling anxiety and depression. Lord, that is not from you. That is the enemy and that is the world telling us that everything's not going to be good. But God, you promise us that you are with us, that you will never leave us, and that you have given us peace and comfort. And Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to heal minds, heal emotions. God, heal depression in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those right now that are being bombarded spiritually. God, that the enemy has had their way in their life, God, and they're being tormented. 
Lord, I pray that you would make them whole right now. So, Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross, that his body was broken for us, and that we are whole by him. Let's break the bread together and take the bread. Now we pray, as always, with this cup to those that do not know Jesus. And there's people in your family, there's people around you that, that they don't understand. They don't know who Jesus is. Or maybe they've even turned their back on Jesus because they've been disappointed by people. And I'll tell you, people are going to let you down. The church is going to let you down. The church is going to hurt you probably. And you may hurt somebody in the church. You know why? Because we're people. We're imperfect. We have bad days. We get hangry, you know? We say things we don't mean. We're stressed out. It doesn't mean that we don't love you. We need grace in the church. The spirit of offense needs to stop being in the church. So let's just pray right now that people would come to faith, that they would understand this new covenant and that we would walk in it. And stop trying to earn our way to Christ. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to be all polished up. Just be yourself. That's who God uses. Just be yourself. Be okay with that. And say, God, thank you for using me. Thank you for your blood that was poured out for me that I may be right with the Father. So, Father, I lift up this cup to you. I thank you that we have a new covenant. It's not made up by how good I am or how well I can do. But, Father, it's good. It's made up of how good you are and what you've done for me. That you were that sacrifice that cleansed me, that brought me, that made me pure in the sight of God. And now I can walk straight into the holy place, walk right up to the throne of God and receive his grace and his mercy without fear, without shame. Lord, I take this new covenant and I agree to it. And Lord, I lift up those right now that do not know you. God, I lift up our neighbors that do not know you. God, I lift up the people that we work with that do not know you. God, I ask that you would begin to draw them with your spirit to you. That you begin to draw them to you, God, and give me courage to speak life into them. Give me courage to be the unity that those places need. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you, God, for what you've done in this church this year. God, you're amazing. (laughs) God, I look forward to what you have for us this year. God, let us not be fearful. Let us not hold back. God, increase our faith this year. God, let us redream what's impossible. Let us walk knowing that you've called us to be water to the places around us, to give life wherever we go. God, give us the courage to bring life and to bring unity to this community, unity within the world. God, I pray for the missionaries that we support right now as a church that you would give them peace in this moment. God, I know they're struggling. They want to get back on the field. 
and this disease has brought many of them home. Lord, I pray that you would just open doors for them. God, use them. Give them a moment of peace and rest right now. God, that when they, the doors open back up, they are walking straight into the fields that you've already prepared for them. They're just there to harvest. God, I pray right now as the harvest increases that we would have faith to walk out and to collect it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, this week we're continuing our 21 days of prayer. If you have an opportunity to grab one of these prayer guides, please grab some. We're making them as fast as we can. You can go online to grab them as well. This week, the focus is praying for that influence. Influence in our schools, influence in our government, influence in the churches, influence in our community and our families, the influence of Christ, that unity within those places. So we're going to send those out every day at 7 o'clock. Thank you all for being here so much. God bless you guys. Have a great day. 